podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and Geico is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to geico.com or contact your local agent today. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the fight in. It's the fight in. Clock. It's the fight in. It's the fight in. Clock. It is season six, episode thirty-four of the Fighting Cock podcast. Hello, gentlemen. Hello. Hello. This is Wendy, uh, standing in for Flav, who was stuck out of town due to some leaves on the line or some sheep on the line, something like that. Is in the countryside, and I'm joined this evening by Buddy. Hello, Wendy. Ricky. Hi, Wendy. And Talking Tottenham Tactics, also known as Nathan. Hello, mate. Nathan, you've been on the Extra Inch before, but never the Fighting Cock kind of main main pod. Yeah. Uh, good to have you here. Tell us a bit about yourself for those who haven't heard you. Uh, <laughs> sell, your, sell yourself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're interviewing for jobs at the this moment, is, right? Yeah. So this is your opportunity. This is, this is exactly what you say now is what you should repeat at the start of an interview. Yeah. So I'd like cover it in really deep technical language so I don't actually say anything. I turn like... I cleaned a shelf into a maintained <laughs> <laughs> stock <laughs> system. Well, that's it. Uh, okay, for those who haven't heard me, I am a tactics nerd who caught Wendy's attention and he's got me onto the pods. That's the whole story. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, Nathan does sort of tactical blogging and YouTubing. With that. Um, you're moving away from YouTube? Uh, yeah, because uh, I'm starting to uh, use actual game footage to analyse stuff and YouTube won't let that stuff on or take it down or whatever. So uh, I'm on Vimeo more nowadays. Excellent. Well, I love your work, and I'm sure many others do as well. Um, it's good to have you on. This episode of The Fighting Cock is sponsored, as we have been recently, by betonbrazil.com. Can you believe that someone is actually paying to advertise on, on this this product of all things? Uh, it's good for us, though, because it means we don't have to worry about how we pay for 
all the things we have to pay for. Uh, if you want to go, use Bet in Brazil, go to the website, use the code TFC60, and they will match whatever you deposit. They've got a happy hour offer between five and six each day. All right, lads, let's get straight into the football. The Fulham game. Was football. Football. Yeah. Ball, ball, ball. <laughs> footy, footy, footy. Uh, the, <laughs> Where'd that come from? Don't know. It's Wendy's new theme tune, though. Yeah, uh, Adam Joe show. Do you not remember? No, I didn't watch it. Britpop comedy show. Awesome. Loved it. Um, the Fulham match was kind of routine, right? I mean, that was a, a nice, easy watch. Um, and that was badly needed after the mess that was the Ghent match in the week. Um, I guess we kind of talk about the two together uh, rather than splitting them up, but. Did you enjoy the Fulham match? Uh, yeah, very much so. I was quite surprised, really, because um, with Liverpool and Ghent, they were quite um, aggressively pressing us, um, quite suffocating, di- didn't let us play. And I think going to Fulham, I expected... Uh, I mean, Fulham aren't doing too bad at the moment. Uh, um, and I just expected, like, because it's a small ground... Their fans, there, you know, it's like on top of the pitch, and they'd get get behind them, and, and they they would kind of um, it, like that kind of up and at them attitude uh, and be pressing us. But they, apart from the first ten minutes, they slowly just started to sit back and let us do what we wanted to do, really. Um, and that's kind of the worst, the worst kind to prepare against or play against us, and. Um, <clears throat> It was so, it was a nice it was a nice game for like when you're when you're kind of on a losing streak and you've not been playing well you want one of those kind of matches to come up where um, you gain a bit of confidence and this was exactly what we needed I mean if you if you give us uh, a split second with time with uh, time and the ball. Um, and our kind of um, attacking four can drift in and out between the kind of defensive lines and do do really what what they're used to and what they want. Then we are going to tear teams apart, and that's exactly what happened against Fulham. It was the kind of game that I thought the Ghent match would be. I thought Ghent would be a nice kind of confidence boost where we're up against inferior opponents who don't really know how to come at us. And Fulham, well, pressing isn't something that you can just turn up and decide. Oh, today we're going to press them. So they tried to sit back and I think we've got considerably better against teams that sit back and you could see it was nice for Kane to score some goals and Ericsson to get some assists again I think there was uh, definitely very interesting sort of team selection wise I was uh, expecting and I think uh, potentially originally Pochettino was going to rotate quite heavily for that game but then with the sort of consecutive losses and the bad mood around the club he's, he went for a stronger team selection than uh, maybe was originally the plan just to bring back some confidence into the club Jobs on the line, that's why. (laughs) I think it's quite interesting as well. I can't remember where I saw the article now that um, Poch apparently had a couple of team meetings Hmm. um, to kind of talk about this. Not bad feeling, but trying to get kind of back into that winning mentality and what's gone wrong and and things. And it's, you know, I'm not a manager, but like you can let things like that drift. And I think... um, like with Ranieri, he's coming out and saying no more Mr. Nice Guy and uh, people that have been playing, that were pl- played for them last year and done so well that he's carried on playing them even though they've not been performing. And I think uh, with Poch, it's kind of like he's tried to nip it in the bud straight away and just be like, right, come on, we know we're not performing as well as we could have been, as well as uh, we have during the season and last season. And this is an us, you know, we need to, need to up our game and then... Um, 
against Fulham, it was uh, again saying that it was it was just the right kind of match for us. I, I liked the um, Potts calling them in for a couple of team meetings and giving them a bit of a dressing down, presumably after a couple of poor performances. I think that's an underrated art of of the manager. Um, and I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall in, in those team meetings to hear what he said and what he particularly focused on. I mean. In the press conferences, he seemed pretty unhappy with the display, particularly against Liverpool, where we were just shocking. Um, but Ghent as well. I mean, I felt the players have all come out and said that they underestimated Ghent as a, as a unit. Um, and I would agree with that. I thought Ghent had a bunch of highly technical players and they've got a good coach who has them well organised. But let's not beat about the bush. They're not exactly challenging for the title in their own league, which is a pretty weak league. They're struggling this year. Um, and although they they did win the league a couple of years ago, um, we should have been we should have been beating them comfortably. I mean, we we saw this weekend in the FA Cup that if you don't get your attitude right, it doesn't matter who you're playing. Shit, shit teams can turn up and do you. We saw it with Burnley. There was moments um, in the Arsenal game last night where Sutton, you know, look at the state of them, but still they were able to impose themselves on um, on Arsenal. And I just think um, the way Tottenham played in Ghent, it was it was fucking childish. And I quite like that um, Pochettino's had a word with him because footballers are babies, and if you let them get away with something, they'll just keep doing it. So it's nice he's called them up on it. As a sort of tactics nerd, I always want to um, play down the intangibles and, and, and talk about shape and system and style. But I can put that aside and say that I definitely feel like through this middle part of the season, there has been a uh, a willingness of the players to sort of just get by. Like, we're not going to challenge for the title. We're probably going to finish top four. So so why why bother pushing themselves kind of thing? And, and uh, yeah, definitely been a case of... of um, should get that tactics ball and just start fucking hitting it. <laughs> <laughs> it really felt like a foot off the pedal job against Ghent and, and they just kind of went out there for a jolly it's over two legs so they don't have to try that hard because if it goes wrong they can rectify it in the second leg but you know what if we'd won that 2-3-0 we'd have been able we'd have been in a position where we could have rested players for Thursday's game at, at Wembley and now we essentially can't do that um, which is tricky because we've got Stoke after that and we, we need to have fresh players and we need to be on top form to kind of try and get back on back on the horse in the Premier League. So I was really disappointed with that Ghent match. But as Ricky said, the Fulham match was just a tonic. Um, and it, it did feel like everything that the Ghent game should have been. I thought Fulham were OK. They were tidy enough. Um, they were a bit nice. They made it a bit easy for us. And we didn't really have to get into top gear. Um, it was We sort of won at a canter and... In all honesty, Kane's finishing was superb and he made it look easy. Those chances weren't necessarily easy. Um, his movement was fantastic for, for all of them, particularly the first goal, I thought. Um, and Eriksen was, was a danger again from open play, less so from set pieces, but I'll mention that a bit. I'll just go back to the Ghent game. I mean, <clears throat> it was it's a small stadium, we all knew that. And I think when they when the draw was announced, uh, I, it was someone like their chairman, or I can't remember. It said like playing Tottenham's a wet dream for them, <laughs> um, and so you knew they're up for it. And then in the league, they're not doing that great. They're, I mean, that game at home to their fans and playing against a big club like Tottenham is going to be their cup final. Like they they're going to be behind their team no matter what, um, and they're going to be really, you know com- completely going for it. It just struck me that I felt that we were a little bit underprepared for that. It was like it was a shock to us. Like, oh my god, they're actually fighting back. They're, they're actually, they're actually trying to tackle us, and you know they're not in fear of us. And it was like after that, it was kind of like, 
okay, I can accept a stormy first 10, 15 minutes and weather that storm and be the professionals and the, like the kind of, uh, you know, the team that we are and the mentality that we have um, to, to weather it and, and then kind of get your foot back into the game and press on from there. But it didn't really happen at all. This feels like a mistake that we make pretty much every year in the Europa League. It's just this... I've, I've had a lot of affection for the Europa League over the last several years, but it's, it's wearing thin and it's just becoming this endless gruel of... of purgatory. Yeah, it's, it's just fucking pur- purgatory, it's isn't purgatory. It? I think the reason I like the Europa League is it's midweek football. It's something that breaks up the week rather than the fact that Spurs are any good in it because we're really not. And, mm. and it's frustrating because it's a competition that we could win... I get that there are lots of games and it's difficult, but we, we should be doing so much better than we currently are doing. Do you think during these uh, Europa League games um, that when we go out there and it's, you know, it's, it's not treated as, uh, as important as, say, the Champions League or anything, do you think that when we get out there, uh, we get out there of a day to prepare, do you think Potch lets them go out and try the local cuisines and like <laughs> get fucking neck deep in Belgian chocolate and waffles <laughs> and that? Or is he, do you think he's just like, look, lads, we're just... We're in the Holiday Inn, you just enjoy it, just watch your kind of free view TV, or do you think he's like, no, 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 you're adults, like, go out and have some Belgian beer left, or whatever it is. I just sort of, I can sort of imagine Alderweireld and Dembele and Vertonghen walking around like Billy Big Bollocks, just yeah. all, all the street, all the street, <laughs> the shop owners out in the street, sort of trying to get them into their places, take photos, selfies... Lads, come in here, you can have a free Red meal carpet. on me. It's got this image yeah, of them, them bowling down the street with no, no, no top half wearing of clothes, <laughs> like just like shirtless, gold chains just bowling about. Hanging out the streets where they used to grow up. Like, yeah. you know, those, dodgy yeah. li- those dodgy little council estates just driving down there in their Audis. Still in the white football shorts. <laughs> yeah, some French, some Belgian hip-hop bumps. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Uh, Nathan, in terms of the tactics... <laughs> Caught your guard there, sorry about that. Uh, in terms of the tactics, we changed formation, I think, at least twice in that game. We started off with a back four, we moved to a back three, we ended up with a back four again. It was kind of like their back three... Co- like, we were, we were unprepared for it, essentially. Um, did you spot anything going on there? I mean, what do you think Poch was trying to do? Yeah, I mean, to start, we, we started off in a 4-3-3, and I think that Poch didn't wanted to try out the sort of Winks, Dembele, uh, Wanyama trio which is fair enough and and it sort of makes sense to try that out in Europa League rather than anything else um but there are limitations of it uh, especially when one of your front minutes is Soko so uh, I was obviously keen to change that over to a 43 when we did that after sort of 20 minutes or so uh which was better but still not turn us around eventually at half time switched to the three at the back when things started to go well uh, but then we conceded the goal as we were playing our best football as as happens in football and maybe we could have stayed in it, but then the substitutions came in and weakened what was an okay system. So we we maybe had 20 minutes, half an hour, where we were at our best, and that's, that's not enough to win a game. I mean, you mentioned Sissoko, who was absolutely appalling, but Ali on the left is... Well, I shouldn't call him Ali anymore, should I? It's Delhi. He was just as bad as Sissoko, really. He just looks completely out of place on the left when we see him there now. Um and when you've seen him consistently play well, essentially as a striker, someone who'll run off Kane and get beyond him, you just don't want to see him stuck out on the left-hand side where he can have minimal in- impact. And it felt to me as though that formation um, and, and starting at Delhi there was a bit forced and maybe he should have gone with Son or, or even Ericsson on the left. Well, I mean, why 
why would you do that? I mean, <laughs> like, it's just... <laughs> I don't, I, 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 it's just like... Square I don't know. Holes, mate. Yeah, that's exactly it. I mean, if you know, like, if there's someone in your office or whatever, and you know that they're, they're kind of... Uh, they can do that job, but they're not really that great at it, you just, like... I don't know. It's just it, play people in their best positions and stop fucking around. <laughs> is I just I don't know. It, that that annoyed me. Yeah, annoyed me as well. It was just another example. And, and, and now we're kind of like when you when you're saying that oh um, Sissoko and Delhi they they had bad games, but you know that I mean Delhi like had, had a bad game that he was in a position that he's unfamiliar with. So yeah. it's like it's a bit unfair on him. Um, expecting to do what maybe what Ericsson would do sitting in that play uh, sitting that in that position and Ericsson weren't playing, um, so it, it's a difficult one. But I mean, and then going back to what uh, Nathan was saying about uh, trying the kind of four three three and and having Manyama, Winks, and Dembele in there, and there's no greater place to you know try again in the Europa. But saying that, we're going to we're going to. Uh, again, we know what the the atmosphere atmosphere is going to be like. They're going to be like absolutely all over us, expectantly. And we play formation and players that aren't particularly well drilled in that position and formation. It's just a bit like I don't know. It's like, I, I find it hard to understand. I've I've really liked Delhi playing in off the left uh, last season, as you did. But I think that there's quite a gap between a. a playing in the left in the 4-3-1 and playing in the left in the 4-3-3 where there's a, a big disconnect between the midfield and the forwards and it meant that he was out wide on the touchline up against his fullback rather than coming inside and, and trying to run past the centre-back and I think that's, that's a big difference. And also with Ben Davies behind him, I mean, you just don't get the support and forward thrust that Rose Rose gives. Uh, I saw the glint in Ricky's eyes there as I said the word thrust. Well, Nathan just said coming inside and you said thrust. (laughs) I'm just like dying to laugh. (laughs) Yeah. um, (laughs) Can't think of anything else now. Must not say euphemism. Um, I mean, I think in terms of Delhi playing on the left, I think if we had a viable left wing alternative, then he probably would have started but Nkudi just doesn't look up to it to me. Um, we've got a question from JC5 from Reddit who says, are we in greater need of a pacey winger or another striker? If we buy too high profile a striker, does that jeopardise Kane's development? Personally, I think Nkudu was the right type of signing because he's a, a player that can play wide or up front in theory. Um, he's just clearly not quite there yet and whether he'll ever get there... I, I think is doubtful. We should sign Deacon from from Sutton. Oh <laughs> fucking hell! <laughs> Long shots, mate. Long shots. He looked. He looked. He looked better. I swear to you, he looked better than Sissoko and and, and, and Kudu yesterday. I um I I understand what you mean about Kudu was the right type of player, very versatile, but he's just he's just not very good. Well, he, I mean, like the, the question says, um, a pacey winger and another striker. I mean, Kudu is. A pacey winger. He's he's really good. I, don't know, I could have sworn I saw some someone. I don't know. It's probably in a WhatsApp group, which you really have to take with a pinch of salt. The shit that's said in there. <laughs> but Kudu is like one of the fastest in the Prem or something like that. Um, but like, uh, and, and he's got a lot of tricks and he can take people on. But yeah, he's a very raw, ta- a very raw, raw player. Um, and I think over a couple of seasons, um, he might grow into something. That's what we're looking for. But what we're looking for at the moment, we're looking for 
instant gratification of yeah. getting that player who is your 26, 27-year-old, knows the role, knows the prem. Actually, don't, don't even need to know the... But you're, well, exactly. Uh, uh, but then you, you're paying that uh, incredible money, incredible wages. And do we want to do that with that new stadium looming over what our name? I, you know, it's, it's, it's tricky. Because then even if you do lump on 30 mil, Sissoko... <laughs> <laughs> then, like, it, it, what are you going to get? Do you want to take that risk? We've taken a risk with Sissoko. How many more do we want to take? Now, I was going to say that, but you kind of killed my point. Like, I was talking, I was thinking that we needed to sign players who were, like, premiership ready. and then, But we did, and it just didn't work. <laughs> Championship ready. <laughs> just, I, yeah, think that's that's the... I mean, the Sissoko signing is just utter. The more you analyse it, the more baffling it becomes. I, I thought it was strange at the time. I mean, you kind of try and convince yourself there's some logic to it because you're thinking we're going to look stupid otherwise and we have to almost create our our excuses before before our, our friends taunt us too much. But he is just not the right man for the job that's required. I'm, st- I'm still of that... Um of that feeling. Well, I've said, I said on a on a previous pod that he's he's for me. He's not a guy that starts. He really isn't. He's that guy that after seventy, sixty five, seventy minutes, where everyone's sitting behind the ball, and you want someone um, that is just going to run through through that defensive line. And it, he's that type of person that like it's like chucking a grenade, and like when he's got the ball at his feet, all commotion or chaos breaks loose. It's like the ball's bouncing off his knees. He's still fucking running after it, ploughing through people. He don't give a fuck, man. Pulling up trees left, right, and centre. But then, if you did, you can't. That's not sustainable after ninety minutes. And maybe Potts feels that he can, uh, you know, polish him a bit more. But from what we're seeing at the moment, um, you can't polish a turd. <laughs> I guess the bigger question is: Is there a room in Pochettino's system for a winger if they aren't up to the really high standard of, of Mane, for example? But I mean, he always, he always seems to want to have one winger in the squad, but we've yet to see one succeed. Well, wingers are wingers in general in football. They're a rarity. They're not really like Hazard, Mane, but even they they play they play further inside. They're not sure. traditional wingers anymore. They don't really they don't really seem to yeah, exist. It's not really the place for a winger in our favoured favoured formations. I mean, we had Townsend who was a winger, but you could see that he wasn't. Pochettino didn't like what he offered. Mm. We had um, was Lennon there when Pochettino was there? Did the, they? Yeah, 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 for a bit. And Lennon, yeah, Lennon was there. So he, he doesn't want a winger, but he wants someone who is probably more central, who can run with the ball and like. But we need someone to beat a man basically because Ericsson doesn't really do it. We we need someone to take like Dembele, but a bit more attacking. I mean, it just makes you miss Lamella even more. It's so unfortunate yep. that he's been injured during this period, but he'd have been an ideal for, <laughs> for the week we've just had. Um, but we're, we're being a bit doom and gloom. But then, you know, the, the Ghent game was slightly depressing. But then we've had this win against Fulham where Kane scored his fifth hat-trick for Spurs. We scored some really good goals in that game. We played well. Harry Winks was fantastic in knitting everything together in midfield. Kieran Trippier had a really strong game at right-back. Um, I thought we, as a whole, as a team, we played well. Um, so are, are things looking up now? Have we turned it round? Is that it? Um, you, you've just touched on a player's name there, uh, Old Winksy, and um, I'll, I'll freely admit that I, I'm not someone that closely follows uh, the youth updates. Uh, not 
Your youth updates. No, 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 no. What I meant is I don't closely follow what happens with the with the kind of development team and youth. I listen to I listen to your updates, but I don't <laughs> visually watch the, watch the games and see how they're developing myself. So I'm not that aware of how well people are doing. And um, when you've spoken about Winks and uh, and other players that are coming through, um, I you know it's like taking your word for it, which is you know uh, fine. <laughs> I, I guess we, we, we have to accept his word <laughs> yeah. otherwise he never lets it go uh, but um, but man I, I'm just like I'm really surprised with Winks I, I, don't, I don't know what I I don't know you, you hear a lot of people saying like, when, when people tell you know when someone tells you a film and it's going to be fucking brilliant and you watch the film and then you kind of convince yourself it's not going to be brilliant because some idiot has told you and then, like, you hear a lot of players that these are the people to look out for and this, that and the other. I've just been so impressed with Winks and he's grown on me, like, as each game goes. And I'm, I'm not going to get carried away. Uh, I, you know, I, I've seen a lot of players where they've been hyped for half a season and we'll wait to see what happens. But um, I've just been so impressed with how comfortable he is on the ball, how much he wants the ball. And I know kind of like... Um, uh, for, for those of you that aren't on Twitter um, or anything, um, people have made uh, comparisons that he his style is a bit like Modric, um, and, and that's fair enough. And for me, like his kind of low centre of gravity, the way how he can quickly spin off the ball um, is like Modric trying to uh, things as well. And another great thing that he's. He does that, that where he passes backwards and sideways, but every time he gets the opportunity to play it forwards, he will play it forwards and he'll look to play it forwards. And the thing that I love most about him um, is when he gets the ball, I automatically think, yeah, he's just going to lay it back or he's just going to play that safe pass. But then a drop of the shoulder and, and he's, he's left two players and that's it, they're gone, two, three players, and he's charging forward and then he lays the ball off. Um, and I also think as well... Like leading on to Dembele of last season, where he was so sharp and fit, and I think he had this kind of like he was ticking and like firing all four cylinders. That when he had the ball, he he released it um, that second quicker, um, and it wasn't this kind of to proving that he can shield the ball and his upper body strength. And um, you know, a lot of the time when he's on the ball, um, he. It almost feels like he he, he wants to kind of um, show off that side of his uh, mm. style of play. Um, and he can hang on to the ball a, a, a second or two longer. But I feel with when, when Winks is there, he's he's obviously not trying to do that. And he can play the ball... Uh, quicker and I'm just I'm just basically what I'm saying I'm in love with Harry Winks and I don't know what to do I remember being on an extra inch with Nathan and Windy before and um, they were talking about Winks that like replacing Dembele and to be honest with you I thought they were fucking mad Mm. but now I would quite happily see him play instead of instead of Dembele I still think like if someone says that to me I'm still a bit like "Mm, a bit too early he's a youth player blah 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 I'm still a bit like apprehensive and I'd always pick Dembele um, over Winks, but do you know what? After seeing seeing some of his performances, I think I've just got to get out of my head like of names of players and youth players and stuff yeah. like that, and just like pick people and merit and how they're doing. It's... The, the performance that swayed a few people was when he was brought on against Man City when Wanyama had dropped into the back line, yeah. and Winks basically came on and held the midfield by himself yeah. and was fantastic. He was probably one of our better players in that match, and that's I think that changed a few opinions of him. Yeah. 
I think what's impressed me most with Winks is his his bottom line. Normally, when a youth player comes up, they'll come in and they'll have moments, and that'll be exciting. But they'll also sort of largely go missing for large periods of the game. Winks is he comes in and he's he's never worse than sort of six. Point five out of ten. He's he's solid and consistent. He's like a, an experienced veteran coming into the squad, but he's young and it's really exciting. So that's that's how I see him as well. Like very mature for his age, does the right things, makes good decisions. Um, he he moves the ball quickly, but he also moves the ball efficiently. And he had ninety six percent pass completion against Fulham, which is pretty impressive, um, and and stood out. I thought in that midfield battle. It's nice to have a player who's stylistically different to Dembele. Where Dembele will carry the ball forward um, and beat men for fun, he's almost impossible to rob the ball from. Uh, Winks will move the ball by passing it and, and moving with the play. Um, and I think it's genuinely handy to have players who are different uh, for different situations. I don't know if you saw this week, uh, Tom Foynes did a poll on Twitter about who should partner Wanyama in, in midfield, and it was it was a 1% in it between Winks and Dembele. Wow. I mean, a couple of months ago, Dembele would have had 100%. Yeah. And, and now it was... 99. 50, <laughs> yeah, 99. But now he had, I think Dembele was 51% and Winks 49 So you're saying we should sell Dembele? Build a no, team do you know Winks. what? I mean, Dembele's had a, a strange career. He's Where did Dyer come in this? Well, Dyer, yeah. I, I think we assume is a centre back now until. It doesn't make a good partner to Wanyama. The two of them together is quite limited. So yeah. It's not necessarily. A... There's not much creativity there. But also, when, with us playing three at the back as a favoured formation, yeah. um, you know, Dyer slots in as third centre back perfectly. Yeah. Um, what was I going to say? It's gone. It's gone. Um, but yeah, really, what really pleased to progress in the uh, FA Cup. I mean. Are you feeling confident now that we can go one step further? Yeah, I mean, uh, the draw was um, a massive draw. Um, It's going to be a very highly charged atmosphere. (laughs) They're Um, talking about it kicking off at 11.30. That's um, sensible. Yeah, it is sensible. I I don't think they will. Um, I think it will be like a 12, 12.30 or something like that. If it does kick off at eleven, that is fucking or eleven thirty. That is absolutely hilarious. I'm hoping for five o'clock or at least four o'clock on a Sunday would be really nice. <laughs> oh mate, I got to run a half marathon that morning, so I'm hoping if it, if it, I can't, maybe Jesus. I just my half marathon finishes at Wembley. It would have been quite nice if it'd been like the semi final, but I, yeah. So I need to run the half. marathon. So you're missing the mill. No, no. If they kick off late, oh, then sorry, I'll, I'll make it. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're going to miss it, mate. If it it's, it's going to be midday latest. Fuck. It's the last FA Cup game at, at White Hart Lane. Cancel your marathon. No. Back out. No, I never back out of anything. <laughs> Once I'm in, I'm in. Run to the game instead. <laughs> I've heard that about the <laughs> So what did you make of the rotation for these two games? I mean, he's played pretty strong teams in both. We've got Thursday coming up again against Ghent, where he's probably going to have to play another strong team and probably start Kane again. Um are you worried about that? Do you have concerns? Do you, what would you do for Thursday? I've got this feeling that he's had a, a, or at least I have, had a big change of heart about Europa and, and the fact that we needed this this game against Fulham, we needed to send out a strong uh, team against Fulham to, to pick things up mentally, I think might be a sign that he's had enough of Europa. With a league game coming on Sunday, he's just going to bin it off and, and, and rotate for Thursday. Play Janssen. Maybe that's why he rested Janssen for the full game. He needs for, the rest. For, he? For, for 
Yeah, Janssen's just so far out of favour now. I feel almost mm. sorry for him. Not even being brought on when you're 3-0 up against Fulham. I mean, I, that, I mean, like, you can't be disappointed about that game, but I thought, come on, man. <laughs> like, well, as soon as that third winning, I was, like, expecting Janssen to come on, uh, and he didn't. And no he, mercy. Uh, yeah, he, he must, you know, the poor guy, he must be feeling it. Um, and that, obviously, is not going to do your confidence anymore, but... Then again, if you're not showing signs in training and stuff like that, then why do you deserve to play? Absolutely. Pochettino is ruthless, man. He's savage with them. Yeah, like, if you're gone, you're gone. It's been brutal with Janssen. Yeah. Taking him off against Villa, not putting him on was, against Fulham, leaving painful. him out against squads. Yeah. Right, lads, that is it for the first half of the Fighting Cock. And next up is my personal favourite part of the podcast. <laughs> and the is, bit Ricky uh, skips. Yeah, yeah. I, you, I didn't say I skipped. I, I never said I skipped minutes. it. I just said that I don't personally go out of my way to watch development games and that. But I listen to yours. There you go. Yeah. Windy, back to drop the fucking knowledge, blood. I see you, I got your back. Hi, this is Wendy, back with the weekly youth updates, looking at our young players and players out on loan. Starting off the loan players, as usual, there's plenty of unused sub action for our loanies this week. So, unused subs were Will Miller for Burton, Ryan Loft for Stevenage, Shane Harrison for Yeovil and Luke Amos for Southend. Although Amos did play in a behind-closed-doors friendly against Oxford last week. Connor Ogilvy played the full match as Stevenage, as they drew one all at Exeter. Clinton Jai scored the opener as Marseille beat Wren 2-0. Luke McGee played as Peterborough lost 2-0 at Walsall. The BBC Match Report said that McGee had been the star of the first half for Posh, making a fine near-post reaction save on 25 minutes. Nabil Bentaleb came off in the last few minutes for Schalke as they drew one all at Cologne. And Anton Walks didn't play for Atlanta United in their pre-season friendly match as he was busy sorting out his work visa. Moving on to the youth teams, the under-18s lost 3-0 to Fulham on Friday and will have played Swansea by the time you're listening to this. John McDermott said about Friday's game, if you strip the game down to the essence of what we're here for, to produce players, Oliver Skip was terrific today and showed that he could handle the situation and George Marsh really stood out. He reads the game really well and whatever job you give him, he does it diligently, aggressively and I also think he did it with a lot of football intelligence today. The under-23s beat Sunderland 1-0 at Stevenage on Monday night. The goal came from Keziah Sterling. Shane Harrison travelled back to be involved in that one. The next game for the under-23s will be against Arsenal on the 3rd of March. Actually, that's the second time we play Arsenal in quick succession because the under-18s are also playing them the day after. That's it for this week. As ever, if you're interested in more young players, follow me on Twitter at WindyCoys. That's Coys for Come On You Spurs. Welcome back to the second half of the Fighting Cock podcast. Thank you, Windy, for that stupendous youth update. One of your best, I'd say. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a cracking cracking one. <laughs> You're such a big fan. <laughs> <laughs> Ricky listening at um, speed times 20. <laughs> Loved it. Uh, we didn't touch on the Stoke game, which is coming up at the weekend. Back Straight back into Premier League action. Um, are we feeling confident? I mean, with a win behind us against Fulham, you, you kind of feel like things have changed. Uh, that might 
a change again after Thursday against Ghent, knowing our Wembley uh, recent re- record at Wembley. How do you feel about Stoke? Stoke are one of these funny teams of us that they almost come to like, they always like, they kind of come to define us, you know? There's the game where we lost and come to the the, what? Come to define us. Because oh. it was like the Kabul like rebellion oh, yeah. at home. Then there was like the 4-0 last season when we smashed them. We thought we were going to win the league. And then there was that kind of slow start to this year and we smashed them 4-0. And there's just something about them. that It always seems really important how we're going to play against them. And um, I think we'll smash them again. I think the <laughs> last two times we've beaten 4-0 at their gaff, haven't we? Yeah. Yeah. But we drew 2-2 of them last time at home. We threw away a two-goal lead. Alderweireld old making one of his rare mistakes, giving away a penalty. Yes, uh, one of his early games for us. Yep. Um, and actually, he has his levels have dropped a bit, haven't they? I mean, obviously, he's had injuries to contend with, but I feel like he's not playing at the same level he was prior to the injury. No, <laughs> no, 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 don't <laughs> agree with that. He's been, he's been holding it together. I, he, he's been exposed by his teammates more, but he's shown that his ability to deal with that situation is... I've just... seen a few slip-ups. There's things where he's been putting the ball out for corners that normally he would just be bringing it under control and playing it up the line. Uh, uh, I, been a little bit I think that's got to do with options in front of him. Against Liverpool, he made a, he made one amazing block where he kind of like got down in his knees and kind of like... Oh, yeah, yeah no. That little breakdance yeah, block. He, he made some fantastic... <laughs> I, think, I, th- I, think he's been, I think he's been great. He's just been, as Nathan said, he's been exposed by the team around him and the, the flaws in our midfield at the moment and, and not having Vertonghen I guess who, who just slipped back in seamlessly against Fulham and was, and was pretty impressive great and to have him back, back. Yeah, yeah massive to have Vertonghen back um, I'm re- yeah I mean I hope he's, he's well enough to play against Stoke we obviously don't need to see how he comes back because injuries sometimes you need to play, bring players back in slowly because they flare up after uh, the first game back but hopefully he'll be fit to play I mean, he seemed fine towards 90 minutes and everything he seemed fine yeah so no, absolutely fresh, yeah so. fuck that man stick him straight back straight in straight back in again Thursday yeah. 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 <laughs> when he got injured last season he came straight back in and was fine the centre backs you know King used to do it all the time just slide back straight and, back and in and Pochettino doesn't mess about with bringing players back too early he'll have given Vertonghen the right amount of time to yeah recover from the injury yeah shit Thursday and then Sunday fuck man yeah. we'll play yeah. Wimdog on Thursday There's no you reckon yeah I think or, so or Carter Vickers I think we'll play both of them yeah and then put uh, maybe Dyer in between them I think we should play all it together. <laughs> five centre backs five centre backs <laughs> fill the goal fuel <laughs> it up <laughs> come away nil 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 deficit be fine <laughs> so Stoke have got I noticed an identical record to us in the last six matches they've got 11 points three wins two draws and a defeat so they're doing okay but not so strong away from home uh, they've lost four out of their last six including at West Brom which isn't so impressive they're a bit of a strange team this year Stoke they can't seem to get any sustained rhythm um, they've had players in, playing in streaks Crouch scored a, a, a glut of goals and then seems to have dried up a bit. Um, they've got a few unknown quantities. This guy, Julian Ngoy, who's a 19-year-old Belgian striker who they've had for a few years now um, and starting to get games off the bench. And I think I think he might have even started the last game. I could be wrong on that. Um, obviously, they signed Berahino as well, who's another unknown quantity to some yeah. degree because who knows what he's become now. And they've got this uh, Egyptian winger, Ramadan Sobi, who's meant to be very good. Um, I've seen nothing of him. They're, I've seen some of their fans have been uh, full of praise for him, but obviously early days for his career in the Premier League. But I just feel like... We don't know what to expect in many ways. They've got the same old kind of cloggers in midfield in Whelan and Charlie Adam. Ugh. 
Uh, I know, I know. The thought of Charlie Adam playing against us at this stage of the season is slightly terrifying. Um, yeah. But bring, then they, the bubble wrap, basically. They, they've got a team of unknown players. Arnautovic, Bojan didn't leave in the in the window, did he? Uh, no, but he's out of the team. He's out of favour, I think. Okay. Did he not go on loan? I thought he went. On oh, loan. he went on loan. Yeah, he right. did to uh, Mainz. Really, Mainz. I nice. think. Good knowledge. Yeah, thanks. I mean, I do uh, occasionally. But they've got Wilfred Bon Bonnie as well. I mean, they've got they've got. De- it's strange because Stoke have got a decent number of options, but then they're, they're not playing many. Then they're on the bench. I mean, they've got. Um, Joe Allen, yeah. who has who has yep. like he, he's coming scores, good and he's yeah. and he's been chipping in with a lot of goals, um, and is his name I is it Embula? Yeah, Embula. I like him. And uh, yeah, he, he's a he's, he's a tidy player as well. There's a, there's a proper there's loads of. I was talking like, last night. I was watching the Saturn game and all these players like with N apostrophe they're properly taken over. Embula, the in revolution. Embula, I am. What are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> I did this mistake last night for? as well. Imbula. Ngoti. Ngog. Ng. Nkudu. You see, there's, they're all coming in. <laughs> they're taking over. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Imbula. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's move on. Let's move on. <laughs> Just some quick fire questions. Yes. Right. <laughs> Quick fire for these ones, and then we've got some longer questions at the end. So, this is from Paul Cicelli on Facebook, one of uh, one of Bardi's crew. <laughs> Who out of all of the players would have the most frightening sex face? Uh, I got wow. a funny feeling it would be Lamella. I just think it would dead shark eyes. Yeah, and it would just take it would be like as he's coming, he's taking him by surprise. It's like <laughs> the intensity. <laughs> yeah, and because he's got like he's got like no body fat, it would just all his muscles would just like <laughs> be yeah, really, yeah, exactly. His <laughs> veins would just be popping, and he'd just have like really intense stare in his face. Uh, I am gonna have to go with uh, Son. <laughs> because he's so happy that you wouldn't know whether he's come or not because he's just like throughout the whole kind of <laughs> throughout all of inter, all, the whole session of intercourse he's just he's just like chatting and he's happy and he's just like just you know he's just he, go with it man I think he's Sonny's probably trying to invent like secret handshakes in order to keep him from the door he's <laughs> 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 got secret dick movements moving it in like you know He's definitely got no hair on his body either. <laughs> Dolphin 2.0. We know that uh, Danny Rose only has one facial expression, and I reckon in a sexual situation, that sort of one sort of stern, mildly frustrated face is not what you want to be seeing. I reckon that's pretty frightening. It just looked disappointed with Dis- his partner. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go with Ben Davies because I think he's got a dark side. Oh, get to see. And one day it's going to come out and we'll all regret what we said about Ben Davies in the past. <laughs> uh, next question from Michael Jam on Facebook. Would you take Vardy as backup next season? No, Michael Jam. No, next question. No, no racist in the squad is no. a pretty decent ground rule, I reckon. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I just don't think he'd fit in in any way. Um, I hate him. He's the worst. Oh, I hate him. I mean, like... Oh, I just hate him. I Do you know what? All the, all the criticism Kane got as a as a one season wonder in inverted commas, and then Vardy basically has been a one season wonder for them. And I've not heard that phrase used about him. Has anyone else heard no, that? No, I haven't. No, no. But then, some, then you look at Vincent Janssen and you just get upset, and you think Vardy's probably better. 
it's probably the way he's not probably he is better than Vincent Janssen so if he could go to like reform school and reform his character reform <laughs> yeah come out do some work in the community and stuff like that and like rearrange his life a, a man you're deserves... talking about him basically going to prison is that what you're saying well community, so, like, community, community service do a summer of like cleaning the streets and doing stuff like that then I'd accept him at Spurs cool what I mean uh, the, another thing with Vardy that, that wrist strap that he used to wear what the fuck was that about? <laughs> He's worn it for the last, like, three seasons. EDL tattoo underneath it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. Some players do it. Some players, they um, they go on a scoring streak and they have it. It's like a lucky charm. De Rossi has one as well because he broke his wrist and he went through a good run of form while he was wearing it and he never took it off. Suarez is another one who wears, like, a um, wrist strap. Sometimes players are very superstitious. <laughs> all they're racist. Just, just they're all racist to uh, it, yeah. That character, is it Ab- 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 Abed Marion? Yeah. And he used to wear the neck brace and then he used to have, like, a, a wrist strap as well. It just reminds me of that. Benefit it's fraud. Fucking weirdo, man. <laughs> fucking weirdo. Next one from Teas Vampirella on Facebook, who says, Who on the Fighting Cock roster is most likely to end up as a non-league reserve goalkeeper, scoring a last-minute winner against Woolwich in an FA Cup quarter-final? This is easy. This is Alex... No. No, I, I don't know. I just saw l- last night the guy eating the pie. And it, well, <laughs> I've got, I've got, I've got the guy who uh, defend himself. Oh, no. Poor no. Poor <laughs> bastard. Sorry, I'm oh, really, I'm right. really sorry. Uh, uh, for this one, I am definitely going to have to go with uh, Bardi. Yeah. And um, <laughs> Bardi agree in that. Yeah. Yeah, 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 no, I agree. Yeah. 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 And the, the reason why is because if if... Bardi actually goes to like these power league games where people that like mates of mates are a player down and there's like I've got this guy he'll come <laughs> along. Bardi goes along to football games not knowing anyone on the pitch and he'll just go out and turn up and play and he's that type of person not that just turn up and play in. turn up and shout at people yeah he'll be the general <laughs> command yeah I'll bite uh, t- 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 <laughs> uh, what was the uh, the story that I was fucking wetting myself last week in uh in uh, when you were out of the country and you arranged to play football with uh, some natives, I played football in, Amer- in, the, in the states. No, 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 the uh, Sweden. Oh, the Swedes, yeah. So um, in my office, they have this, they have this gym, and this Swedish guy was telling me about how the Swedes play football on a Wednesday night. I was like, oh, I'll play. So <laughs> I, d- I, d- I didn't have any of my football stuff. I wore like my running shoes and my running, ja- my running t-shirt and shorts and stuff. So I didn't look the part. I looked proper pikey. Pair of black plimsolls. And uh, but these were like. Like Swedes that didn't speak English so I played an hour of football with people that didn't speak English <laughs> and and during the game after I missed something I went fucking hell and then all I could hear throughout the rest of the game were people imitating my like <laughs> fucking hell <laughs> <laughs> but it was really good I'd never I'd never played futsal before and it was good fun so I think next time I'm going to take I'm going to buy a pair of AstroTurf like indoor football shoes and just leave them in Sweden <laughs> so I can keep playing with them. They keep sending me the invites so you know I must Brilliant. have done something alright. <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> Nathan any thoughts on who who's the most likely uh, non-league reserve goalkeeper? Well, I'll go down the same route as Bardi and saying that I've got the physique of a of a non-league. <laughs> I'm working on it, you know. I'm, I'm going to go with Tony D because that guy has not been seen for a while, so maybe he's been training up secretly as a, as a reserve goalkeeper. <laughs> oh man, I'd love nothing more than to find that was the truth about Tony D. <laughs> Question from Gib 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 One on Twitter, who says, "Would you rather win the FA Cup or Europa League?" Now, this is meant to be quick fire, oh, but I think we all need God. to. We need some rationale here. 
For me, Mate, I would... that's hard. I'd rather win the Europa League because I think it's more prestigious. It gets us um, a game in in August against the winners of the Champions League. Super Cup. In the European Super Cup. It doesn't mean... We, we, otherwise, if you win the FA Cup, it's great to win the FA Cup and the tradition and everything else, but then you just get a charity shield match. I'd rather, in August, play Barcelona or... Not, maybe not this year, not Barcelona, <laughs> but like Real Bayern. Madrid, PSG, Bayern, somewhere in Europe. I think that would be nice. And Plus, you know, we haven't won in Europe for a long time either. So I'd quite like to win that. Oh, it's a toss-up, isn't it? And just one more thing. We've probably set the record of most amount of games in Europa League without winning the fucking <laughs> thing. So it'd be nice just to win it and get done with it. I think that's a really good point. We kind of need to get over this um, issue we've got with the Europa League. We, we're making it look a lot harder than it actually is. <laughs> um, I really don't think it should be as difficult as we're making it seem. So just get it done. Win the Europa League, straight back in the Champions League next year, either off the back of that or finishing mm-hmm. fourth or third or second or first who knows but I mean I feel like the Europa League is my preference although the FA Cup is kind of it's always been our cup in a way obviously we've not won it since 91 so that's kind of <laughs> <laughs> away a little bit um, but I think the FA Cup's the Europa League has definitely lost some prestige since it changed names and stopped being the UEFA Cup. Um, but the FA Cup's lost prestige in the same way, and we're seeing teams make eleven changes for that competition now. So, but that's just marketing, man. If you if if UEFA actually put their heads together and decided this Europa League, it's the second biggest competition, you know, in football, it, it, like team competition. Well, maybe Libertadores is bigger, but still, it's a massive competition. Market it properly. Move it away from a fucking Thursday-Sunday rotation. If you can, do it on the opposite week of the Champions League and make that week about the Europa League. You know, it's big enough for it to, to stand up on its own. It's just, it's been marginalised. And the fact that Sky don't have it or never had it, so they've never pushed the importance of it. But it, I think it's a great tournament. Honestly, up until... Last Thursday, I'd have said Europa League. Um, as I alluded to earlier, my, my mood about the competition is completely changing. And, and this year, I don't know if that's going to be the case going forward, but this year I'm, I'm in such an FA Cup mood, I think. Go for the FA Cup. Cool. I'm still, I'm still, uh, still trying to decide. I mean, the, the only thing that I can think of is when... <clears throat> kind of like when I supported Spurs as a young boy and... Um, kind of seeing these images of us winning the, the FA Cup and listening to my dad's stories about us in Europe and seeing these kind of all-conquering Tottenham sides in Europe and playing playing against the, playing against these uh, European sides. That, for me, I, I always wanted to kind of... Um, I, I always wanted to see us... As a kid, to see us at White Hart Lane, and I wanted to see us away from home in the league. I know. <laughs> so oh, I know, I know. I'm it's trying like, to carry on. It's good job turn the aircon. It's off, like though. it's like the you know that scene in the office where they're filming it, and the cleaner comes out, <laughs> and he just stops. Right by where we're recording, there's a cleaner. She's just like banging the door with the that, fucking. No, they, they can hear it. They can hear that. That's coming through. That's fucking funny. I'm, I'm annoyed. I might go out there and just fucking do butter. So. Um, <laughs> Yeah, where where was I? But well, basically, I was just saying kind of uh, the the history of seeing us winning in Europe and the romanticism of going to a European city and conquering another city and and that kind of uh, you know uh, the, the lust for those those nights and I don't know. It was still a really really tough one to call, but I mean, uh, just going going to another playing a cup final in, in another in another country against another country. 
maybe. It's in Sweden. Uh, and um, the UEFA Cup is a fucking huge cup. And I'm sick and tired of Wembley at the moment, to be honest. (laughs) So at the moment, where it is at the moment, Europa League. Yeah. I mean, it's going to feel strange if we get to Wembley in the FA Cup, isn't it? We're kind of so used to it now. The semi-finals are there as well, isn't they? Yeah, Yeah, exactly. It's only one more game. It's not so special, is it? Yeah. Yeah. I fucking hate that stadium as well, anyway. Also, we've done so badly in in recent uh, Wembley appearances generally. Uh, Even before the Champions League this year, we've been pretty disappointing. And the old Wembley. Yeah, yeah, and the old Wembley, exactly. Um, next discussion point is about our injury situation and how, how do you think we've coped this year with the injuries? Um, we've been, a lot of people have been sort of describing us as flat track bullies when actually, arguably, we're still overachieving compared to other teams. And I think there were some really interesting uh, stats, financial stats by uh, Spurs Reports on Twitter, good Twitter follow. He, and basically, it showed that we're much closer to, I think it's the sixth place club than the, the fourth place club in terms of our wage spend and our transfer spend. Uh, so to see us sort of genuinely contending for being second in the league is a huge overachievement in, in reality. How do you feel about how we've coped this year and whether we've overachieved or whether we're flat track bullies? I think we've coped quite well. We've had key players out. Luckily, we've never had them all out at the same time but we've had Alderweireld, Vero, Kane and Rose Lloris and, v- and Tongan all out at some point in the season and we're still third in the league with a possible still with a possible shot still at the title I think we've done okay I think other teams would have struggled to call us flat track bullies is I think it's a bit it's a bit unfair because the top six are the it's top six bollocks. yeah the top six <laughs> have, the top six are all bullying the rest of the league and then it's kind of where your position in the league is comes down to how you perform against those other teams there so it's it's bollocks all the stuff about our away record of the top six is like not, like what do you expect mm. like yeah. what kind of stand are you saying we're, you know, obviously we're going to perform worse against away against the best teams in the league than mm-hmm. against the crap. I mean, come on. Yeah, yeah, totally yeah, agree. Stupid. I mean, we're, we're probably almost back to full strength now. Vertonghen's come back, as we discussed earlier. Lamella feels close to being back. Is that just in time for this this run-in? And actually, it's kind of nice because we had burnout issues at the end of last season that's probably not going to be such an issue this year because players have had enforced breaks due to injuries. Um, Yeah, going back to um, saying about kind of how we've adapted with injuries. So it's been... It's been quite uh, obvious that when when we've been switching to three at the back uh, and then using Rose and Walker as the kind of wing-backs and then once one of them gets injured, like Rose has done, and then... Who have you got to cover? It's Davies, and then if Davies goes, or you know Walker and Tri- it, for for a like like for like replacement, it's going to be very hard. I mean, uh, Trippier has the same kind of attributes as Walker, and I think he can do a job over a couple of games, but uh, you know, for sustained over like half a season, probably not. Um, and Davies uh, again with with Rose, there, I, I don't think they're comparable really. Um, and having to deal with that, Vertonghen's injured as well amongst that. 
and uh, Toby's been injured as well. So that that back line has been shifting. Um, it's been shifting from uh, four at the back to three at the back to different different pairings, different wing backs. Um, it's been unbalanced. And we've still got an incredible defensive record. And it's only kind of like now where we have conceded a couple. And now it's kind of coming to, you know, the, the front of your mind that shit we are. We, we've lost a couple of games and we've conceded a couple of goals. It's like it almost jolts you into kind of like actually thinking about it. Because at the moment, the way the, the way that our defence is performing, it, we were just kind of an autopilot that we're not going to concede, we're going to score or Toby's going to save us, or Hugo's going to pull off that save, or Rose and Walker are just going to bomb it down the wings. It's just you you just get so used to them being there that when something's taken away, and it's taken away for a few games, and then actually makes you think, you know, fuck, we're not actually that strong in those areas. So I think it has, it has been a rude awakening, but I think we've coped well. For me, this has been almost a season that never got started with injuries. I think we were lucky last season with injuries, and so it balances out this being unlucky this season. But the, the way the injuries has affected us is that we've only really been on our best form for only a couple of games, that sort of Chelsea-West Brom period where we played three at the back with our, our best players. Um, but there's a lot of positives to say from that. I, saw, I wrote a piece a few months ago for the Fighting Cock about how the fact that we're off form, uh, have been for most of the season but still playing so well, still competing with the very best is a, a huge testament to a quality. And it's it's reminiscent of um, Ferguson's United in that even when we're bad, we're still pretty bloody good. Mm. That's testament to how far we've come as a, as a team generally, I think, under Pochettino. Just the standards are so high now that when we play badly, we might draw nil-nil. That's the worst it gets. Isn't it, exactly. Really? And when we play badly, when I was growing up, we'd lose 4-0 at home. Yeah. To Blackburn, you yeah. know, three 0 to Middlesbrough. These kind of games, it's um, <laughs> it's changed so much, now. Yeah. Um, and our standards are higher, and expectations are higher, and of course that's natural. Um, but I think to call us flat track bullies is really harsh. I do think we're overachieving. I think, I think it's like, quite ignorant as well of like just the way that if if anybody that watches football. Um, uh, and says that about us. I think it's just such a kind of throwaway comment. It's really dismissive. As yeah, well. yeah. It's just, it's do, fucking... do, you, do you know what? It reminds me of when um, when Carragher sort of laid into us after Liverpool, and I can't. I did that agree was with harsh. I think. I, yeah, I mean, I, I agreed with a lot of what he said, but also it didn't take into consideration the levels of spending between the two clubs, and particularly important is the wage bill between the two clubs. I mean, they can they can attract top class players because they pay huge wages in comparison to Spurs. We're we're still bringing players through, and yes, we reward them with increased contracts every now and again. But these are players. A lot of the time, we've we've developed from being, you know, either youth players or or average players. In the case of Rose, arguably, and Dembele in a way as well. Yeah, and, and if you look around Europe, it's scattered with players that Liverpool have fucking blown twenty five million plus on. There's Markovic. At, there's, there's there's Markovic. There's Balotelli. Carol. There's, there's Carol. There's, there's, they're all over the place. People forget that it's not just the players at Liverpool now. Yeah, they've Down been just in, as scattergun as we. Yeah, are. they've been they've been even more so, I think, because now it's, they're not even. There was no structure to their spending. 
Right, let's end with a few questions. So, uh, It's Your Boy on Reddit says, A gooner at work keeps telling me how much he enjoys watching Tottenham and wants to come to the lane. He goes to the Emirates every week. Do I try to convert him or ignore the hints and hope he doesn't mention it again? Fuck it, this is the problem with Arsenal fans. You know, they just don't fucking, they don't get it. How can I? How can you sit there and say, "Oh, I, I quite enjoy watching Tottenham play"? Fuck off! Jeez. He doesn't deserve to watch football. I am yeah. gonna wholeheartedly agree with Bardi. Like, if oh mate, I just wouldn't be his friend. No, no. I just cut no. him off and say like Facebook everything. Just cut cut him <laughs> off, man. Like this is not this is not good. He's at work, so I would I'd grass him up to HR for like touching. <laughs> yeah, yeah, He's been yeah. touching me. Can't something on his PC. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. Get rid of him. It's just like. <laughs> Like a guru at work, he's telling me how he enjoys watching Tottenham and wants them to the lane. Like fucking, like That's crazy. And the thing is, he goes to the Emirates weekly. Either he's lying, yeah. or he is just a casual football fan. I think and he might be lying. I mean, he probably is one of these guys. At least, yeah. He, I mean, he probably walked into the uh, kitchen at work at the start of the week and goes, "Oh, did you see the game at the weekend, mate? Yeah. <laughs> the Reds did well, didn't they? They, they yeah. won again." See that ludicrous display last night. <laughs> <laughs> what a joke at the back! <laughs> oh shit! Yeah, yeah, man. That's that's. Uh, that's ridiculous. Ridiculous. Yeah. There you go. It's your boy. Dealt with. Yeah. <laughs> Ronaldo119 from Reddit says, outside of White Hart Lane and I guess Wembley, what's your favourite ground? He loves Craven Cottage. <sighs> that is That's a good shout. This is yeah, shameful for me. I have, I have not been to an away game. Wow. And uh, yeah, I'm hoping that Brighton get promoted because I'm living down in Brighton at the moment and I go there, but I've... I'd say Brighton's ground's been, great. Really yeah. like the Amex. It's it's for a new stadium. It's it's very neat and tidy. Good facilities, and they sell Harvey's uh, in, at the bar as well. Which I've, I've, except with. for White Hart Lane and Wembley, I've only been to my local non-league team. So that's something I need to get sorted pretty soon. Let's eh? call it loyalty. Yeah, you refuse to go anywhere else. Yeah. I like the the shitty stadiums that you go to, like um, Wickham Stadium or. Um, Bournemouth Stadium, those kind of stadiums, which are still like they were how they were like 50, 60 years ago. Because you know, you go to Wembley, you go to White Hart Lane, even though White Hart Lane is not that modern, but you kind of get spoiled. I like the throwback stadiums, so, and I agree with him. Craven Cottage is a, it's a good place to watch football. It's very middle class, though, isn't it? It's, it's, it's kind of it's nice as a one off, but you wouldn't want it to be your home. Yeah, um, it's, it's, it feels like uh, a nice weekend away in Europe, that kind of thing. I used to I used to work there when I was um, when I was studying. There I, we go another another Bardi's <laughs> old job story. There's so many of these knocking about. When I was when I was um, when I was studying when I was studying journalism, I was one of those beer guys. You know, you carried their fucking rucksack full of beer, Jesus. and um, you would get like a discount every time that you sold fifty. So I used to fucking like. Bomb. They used to like get no, not a discount. You just get a bonus. So I used to like hijack the queues at half time and just fucking <laughs> set a shitload of beer. And then as soon as the game started, I would just kind of hide and then go watch go watch the match. I remember Spurs were there one year when I think we scored a goal that was meant to be offside or something. I think Huddleston scored it, but it was um, yeah. So I quite like Fulham, quite fond of it. I know all the places to hide and skive. <laughs> I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of Villa Park. I like the kind of old traditional grounds. Um, I've never been to Anfield, but I really would like to go to Anfield. I've heard good things, and, and Old Trafford likewise. Uh, I kind of like the Britannia Stadium for the atmosphere. I don't know if that's Ugh. the stadium or just the fact that Stoke, Stoke's home fans are really loud. Um, but there's a lot of racism up in Stoke. It's, it's not, it's not <laughs> nice. <laughs> it's not a nice trip. It's an abusive atmosphere. Like, like there's, there's, like there's the fact that... 
like of the teams that come to White Hart Lane, I, I really appreciate when the away team come and they sing and yeah. they're loud and they get songs going. But then, like occasionally, you get Stoke or you get Leicester maybe coming down. You think actually you're just like annoying and abusive. Yeah, they're scummy, definitely, but I mean, it creates a really intimidating, hostile environment to play in, which I kind of admire. Um, and the other one I really like is, Bardi said, uh, Wickham, I really like Adams Park. Mm-hmm. It's it's quite surreal being sat in a football stadium and seeing the Chilton Hills kind of in the background yeah. uh, over the top of the opposite stand, but it's, it's kind of nice. And any football stadium, you have to go through an industrial park to get to <laughs> yes. it. It's always, it's always a nice one. <laughs> Ricky, any, any particular favourites? Um, I've been to quite a few... Um, and the kind of you know you have these stand-up ones. Oh, you got to go to St James's Park, went to Newcastle. I had to walk up like fifty flights of stairs. It was the fucking worst journey up there. Um, and um, Liverpool, the famous Anfield crowd was wasn't to be seen. I went to Old Trafford. They had this three-tier fucking gigantic stand. That was like it's just really made the stadium feel really lopsided, and it just didn't feel right. To cut a long story short, I've been to a lot, and I think the most, the kind of stadium that I felt not at home, but I had a lot of uh, mutual respect for was Villa Park. Mm, and the other one I got to give a shout out to is um, the Westfalen Stadium. Uh, Borussia Dortmund yeah. amazing plays highly recommend yeah. going uh, there you can. boys went there didn't you I, I went to see Dortmund play I didn't actually go to the oh really the I legendary I Tom Carroll performance yes yeah. I was at that one that is you a good were stadium at that one. it's a wicked stadium, stadium. it's so nice and uh, great noise as well uh, last question this week from uh, THFC Memory Man on Twitter who says would you take losing to Arsenal in the last North London derby at White Hart Lane if we were to beat them in the FA Cup final and end Wenger Yes. Wow. Yeah, I think so. Wow. Yeah. It's but uh, losing to them in the last. Well, because I guess if who we... put these fucking questions in? T. <laughs> T. T's doing. Like, oh, mate, there's two, two fucking questions that are like it's hard, man. Tough. But the thing is, I get from this question that if we beat Arsenal in the last North London derby, we lose the FA Cup yeah. final. So I would rather win I the FA Cup. Mm, not sure. Or is that not guaranteed? Mm, I think so. Otherwise, hey, it's just like, would you... Well, go for the glory, go for both. Go for both. Um, yeah, you can't do that, you got to pick one. One or the other, though. <laughs> so would you take... I would say, um, I would... Unfortunately, I would take the loss at White Hart Lane and take the victory in the FA Cup final because that will be... You know, that that gets stuck on everybody. That becomes everybody's history, not just ours. And they'll be forever remembered that the Dave Wenger died as a football <laughs> manager. We We ended him, so that would be great. I think think how how small they will seem saying well, we won the last game of White Hart Lane. And you think well yeah, but we won an FA Cup a couple of weeks later. Yeah, yeah we've got the trophy, engra- got the trophy. engraved in, in the wall in Wembley, and also your manager left as a result. Yeah, yeah, it's a pretty um, end his legacy where he's done amazing things there and end his oh, yeah. end his like his tenure at what at, what fucking at White Hart Lane. I mean, at, arguably. At DT from Arsenal Fan TV has already ended the legacy, so. <laughs> but yeah, it's a pretty convincing what argument. Does, what what does he mean by end Wenger? Like, kill him? Like, he'll retire. Cremate him then. and then put him in the FA Cup. <laughs> <laughs> and then drink him, pour some champagne in. Mix it around and drink him. Pour it over Potch's head. <laughs> Snorting his ashes. Champers and ashes. <laughs> I think we found the name the of the pod. <laughs> Would you do a line of Wenger? 
I'd be, I'd be, I'd be Would tempted. you do a line of Venga? Wow. That's never been asked in any podcast. <laughs> Shit, man. I don't know if I can snort it. I'd rub a bit of Venga in my gums. Yeah. <laughs> you take him in your mouth. Is that what you're saying? Oh, <laughs> do you think he's flammable? Do you reckon you can smoke him? Oof. I mean, deodorant can make most things flammable, yeah. right? Unless he's wrapped in that jacket of his. <laughs> Double zip. Up. Yeah. That seems like a good place to leave it. Thank you, gentlemen, for a very fun and hot hour in this <laughs> baking studio. Buddy, good to see you, mate. Cheers, Wendy. Thank you Ricky, very much. Ricky, as ever, legend. Safe. And Nathan, first appearance on The Fighting Cock Proper. Thank you for coming, mate. And we shall see you next week. <laughs> This monkey's no longer the big dog. Ricky is. I'm not a big dog. You are. I'm just a main dog. Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Sports Social Podcast Network.